0: reading today uh, comes from Matthew 19. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Just then, A man came up to Jesus and asked, "'Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life?' "'Why do you ask me about what is good?' Jesus replied, "'There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments.' "'Which ones?' he inquired." Jesus replied, "'You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The word of the Lord. Uh, I'm so I'm so glad to be here. I feel so honored to be here. It's, it's been a really long time since I've been in this church. I think it was uh, 2011 the last time I was here. There was a Mockingbird Conference, um, but I have to admit I still feel like the same age I was in 2011. I still feel, as Taylor Swift said, 22, um, but I'm not. And as uh, Paul Walker, my boss, is kind enough to remind me, uh, God is revealing my forehead to me uh, day by day. Uh, that and the fact that I just have to look at a pair of running shoes uh, and I seem to contract bursitis or tendinitis or some sort of hip pain. Um, so I'm just kind of getting older. And that's the reality. I'm, I'm entering midlife. And, uh, and yet, in my heart of hearts... I'm still 22, maybe, maybe 24, and apparently there's a reason. Uh, as Jennifer Sr. wrote in The Atlantic this month, research shows that adults in middle age uh, feel, on average, 20% younger in their heads than they actually are. Uh, maybe not in their bodies, but in their heads. So she took to Twitter to see what people would have to say, and there was one 53-year-old law professor who wrote uh, that everyone in their 50s feels exactly 33. And he said this has been true for ages. He said, quote, medieval theologians asked the intriguing question, how old are people in heaven? The dominant answer, 33. This is partly because of the age of Jesus at the crucifixion, but I think partly because it feels like a kind of peak for the vigor maturity index. Um, The Vigor Maturity Index, for me, I hope, was not 33. Um, But what about you? How how old are you in your head? Regardless of your answer, uh, there's probably still for you something attractive about being young. Being young, feeling young, looking young. Jesus uh, seems to have a preference for youth. And as the scripture I just read seems to imply, there's something about being young, being a child that lies close to the heart of God. At the same time, when when you get past the nostalgia of childhood, the wish to return to childhood is kind of problematic. I mean, am I the only one in this sanctuary who kind of gets chills when you think about returning to middle school or high school even? You know, we tend to selectively remember youth as the time uh, when things were simpler and more joyful, Um, but we don't often remember how terrible it was. Like the impossible bind of wanting to be rid of your parents completely, you know, to fly the coop, and yet needing them to help you with the simplest life skills, like how to stay clean, uh, how to eat something that's not Pop-Tarts, or just how to get out of bed before noon. Also, when you're young, you don't have any interpersonal skills whatsoever. And yet, sooner than you're ready, you're pushed into the painful world of school dances. Rejection, conflict, social anxiety, status anxiety. Well, um, despite all that, there's a man named Brian Johnson who is taking on this project at quite a literal level. Johnson is a 45 year old software entrepreneur. He just sold his company to eBay and has embarked on a new project the mission to, quote, reverse the aging process in his body. He wants to restore his body to the health of an 18 year old. And so, with a newly designed medical suite attached to his house, a team of 30 doctors, and over $2 million spent this year on health tracking. Johnson is on a mission to recover youth. And I quote, there's a regimen and series of measurements for every last part of my body. I've taken 33,537 images of my bowels. Daily, I measure my weight, my BMI, my body fat. I monitor my waking body temperature, blood glucose, heart rate variations, oxygen levels while I'm sleeping, I'm also undergoing a fairly constant stream of blood, stool, and urine tests, as well as whole body MRIs, ultrasounds. To repair sun damage to my skin, I apply seven daily creams, and I get acid peels weekly, and laser therapy, and I've been staying out of the sun. On and on this article goes, including broccoli blends, collagen peptides, antioxidant gels. I mean, it sounds totally science fiction, but it's real. Project Blueprint, as he calls it, hopes to prove that in Johnson's words, quote, decay is not inevitable. But I totally relate. I don't know about you. I, I don't want to age, and I, I, have a, I have a running watch, and it's telling me I need to work on my VO2 max, if, if one of you all know what a VO2 max is, tell me after this, but I need to work on it. Um, the biological pursuit to bottle up youth is just one of many, though. And part of what we hope to retain is the felt experience of youth, to feel forever young. Freedom, curiosity, less work, more play. And when I think of adults who play, I, of course, go straight to pro athletes. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, ESPN journalist, Wright Thompson. Uh, he does these long form profiles of you know, the greatest athletes. Um, and he's interested in sort of how they tick, what makes them great. And, and also, what do the greatest athletes do when their time on the life's greatest stage uh, expires and they have to retire? And his answer, with, with no exception, is that faced with the end, they suffer. Uh, Michael Jordan, after his final retirement, you know, the third retirement, uh, he decided that he was going to stay at 216 pounds uh, for the rest of his life, his playing weight when he played. Uh, Mickey Mantle, after he retired, used to go uh, sit in his car and drink and sob because uh, when the rain came the raindrops on the hood of the car sounded like the cheer of the crowd. Um, Thompson's most recent piece is about Joe Montana and his complicated relationship with retirement, especially as his legacy has become somewhat overshadowed uh, by a new retired great Tom Brady. Montana recounts watching Brady play in the nfl for the first time and he said i felt like i was alive sitting in my grave and they're throwing dirt on me and there's nothing i can do montana knew even then that there was and would continue to be a conveyor belt of greatest and that his time in such rare air was over and the same is true for Brady, who's only beginning his journey off stage. As Thompson put it, former quarterbacks are like virtuoso violinists who have their instrument stripped away just as they master it. He wants another stage. Unitas did Montana and Elway and Marino. One day, so will Brady. The day you retire, you fall off a cliff. You land in a big pile of nothing. It's a wreck but it's more of a wreck for people who have the biggest book. So if the pursuit of youth is a fool's errand, what of childhood remains for those of us getting older? If it isn't our bodies, if it isn't our ability to play, what is it? I love that these two encounters With Jesus come back to back in scripture. The disciples have just attempted to shoo away the children that Jesus says are the inheritors of the kingdom of heaven and not two clicks pass before an earnest young man approaches with a question about eternal life. The children have no lines but the man has quite the soliloquy. All the commandments he has kept. He's a rich man. He's a good man. Here's the child, and here's the man. The child who receives the blessing, and the man who walks away sad. The first will be last, and the last will be first. What is it about being a child? What does the child have that the man doesn't? When we say that there's something holy about being childlike, what does that even mean? Is it kindness? Is it gentleness? Is it joy? Is it tenderness? Is it playfulness? Is it curiosity? Maybe we should just be more curious, like children are curious. For Jesus, it's need. A child is needy, needy beyond description. Children can't take care of themselves. Children can't eat unless they're fed. Children can't regulate their emotions. Their brains aren't even developed enough yet to be able to do that. Children can't get themselves out of a bad situation if they find themselves in a bad situation. Children can't even play by themselves. Uh, If they're left by themselves, they stop playing. Even when we're older, like 18... The freedom that that we remember, the freedom that we feel was entirely contingent upon this felt sense of safety, upon our felt sense of need for the the people around us who took care of us. Jesus favors children because children need help. Children instinctively know that. If they're going to survive, they have to turn to the care of another. Their insistence on needing on receiving help Uh, from an adult perspective, like the disciples in this story, uh, like the rich young ruler in this story, is an irritation. It's best kept at bay. We prefer action items, advice on how to best contribute, to help, to help people. Children can only be carried to Jesus. Children are always the helped and it's not like this is some like, desirable skill set that children have, uh, that they're really good at optimizing. It's not like that at all. If, if you have kids, you know it's, it's as much a predicament for them as it would be for us. It's stressful to be a kid. It's terrible to need so much. But it is unavoidable. They have a limited set of resources to negotiate the terrors of the world. So Jesus says that it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. For Jesus, this vital kernel of youth is need. Somewhere along the way, this was an instinct that you utilized, too. But you've grown older, and you have more tools now, and so as your competence in the world grew, your need for, you know, outside help, someone to feed you, someone to listen to you sing, someone to soothe your outbursts, that left you. In the therapy world, um, I'm a therapist, in the therapy world, we, we call this uh, defensive exclusion. Growing older, we, we inhibit our awareness of our need. But the truth is, and I can attest to this from the therapy room, we still have them. And no matter the age, each of us is as much a child as we've always been. As the poet Ted Hughes said once in a letter to his son, at every moment behind the most efficient-seeming adult exterior, the whole world of a person's childhood is being carefully held like a glass of water, bulging above the brim. And in fact, that child is the only real thing in them. It's the center of all possible magic and revelation. In you is the child you once were, still there, bulging above the brim, held ever so tenuously, by your capacities, your certainties, your strengths. It is mostly undetectable to you, your need, until life catches you by surprise. And like Joe Montana, you find yourself falling off stage. Maybe it's a career failure. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's just some gnawing dissatisfaction with what should be a happy life. But once again, whatever it is, we get drawn back into the predicament. Here is something I can't do by myself, and I have to lay my trust into another to survive. And this is ultimately the lesson that awaits the sad young man who walks away from Jesus. It's not so much that he's wealthy, so much as he is at the peak of his sort of vigor maturity index the child is in there somewhere but quietly hidden at least for now for jesus heaven is not filled with 33 year olds with vigor and maturity but for children like you stuck in this predicament of defenselessness and necessary trust However unappealing it is God's chosen way, it was this need that opened the gates of heaven by a God who himself needed, who thirsted, who was handed over, who died. It was this need that proved the power of God to raise the dead. The cry of a child to his dad, into your arms I commend my spirit. Your need is the ticket forward. It is the only possible avenue to receive love and faith and joy and curiosity and open-heartedness and wonder and all the bright things that we miss about childhood. You already have it, your need. The needy child in you is the you he prefers, the you he knows, the one he beckons with a blessing the you for whom he offers the kingdom of heaven. It is the only, albeit unappealing, contribution you make to a father's good love. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to know the child in each of us that you love. Amen.